Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts for the evening, Lavendar and Anastasia. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our show from September 6th, be sure to look for it in our on-demand archives here on Blog Talk. You'll hear some great news that can greatly benefit Starseeds and their missions. We've had many Starseeds ask us for more information about the Teton meetings. This interview with Lavendar took place during the January Teton meetings of 2016. They happen every uh, January 1st through 7th and July 1st through 7th. And at those times, Starseeds are taken to the meetings for new assignments, further activations, and advanced training. Even though this information was released six years ago, the topics that were discussed at that meeting are just as relevant today as it was at that time. Lavendar will also talk about global consciousness and the warring mindset passed on through the bloodlines and how astrological timing can bring us to the brink of repeating history if we haven't learned the lessons of our ancestors. With the Teton meetings approaching, this is valuable information for starseeds around the world. And you can access more of Lavendar's information on our website, which is starseedhotline.com, and just look for the Vault of Knowledge. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And if you have starseed children or grandchildren and you're constantly trying to get them off the screens, I've written a book to help children want to put the phone down and reconnect with Mother Nature by understanding the animal guides of Native America. It's called Magical Messages from the Animal Kingdom, and it's on Amazon. So if you just type Ariel Taylor in the search bar, you'll get right to it. Our main website is starseedhotline.com, where the Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions so she can finish her book and continue writing for Starseeds. But remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. So you can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please order that a week or two before your birthday. But if you want a reading of that chart, you need to order it about two months before your birthday. So first up, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. Hello, everybody. Good evening, Ariel. It's great to be Hello. with you. Hello there. Well, I've got some fun stories for you tonight, sort of. Kind of interesting, I hope, anyway. I certainly do. (laughs) We're we're talking a little bit about food tonight and a few other things, but I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving dinner. A lot of people have turkey or maybe some ham or, I don't know, maybe pancakes. (laughs) It depends on (laughs) who you are, different strokes for different folks. But I wanted to find out if you would be interested in having some steaks made out of thin air. 
that's like asking you don't want to eat anything at all, right? Well, <laughs> that is no longer true. People, listen to this. It was uh, space travel that inspired this particular scientist to create what she calls an unusual climate solution. Now, that's why she did it. It's protein made from air that is grown inside of a tank instead of using up valuable land. This woman is the founder of a company called Air Protein. It's a California-based startup that is harnessing cutting-edge technology to create a meat alternative called, no surprise, Air Meat. It uses just microbes, water, renewable energy, and elements found in the air. Launched in 2019, she based her technology on research carried out by NASA in the 1960s, and they explored ways to feed astronauts on long missions to Mars. One proposal was to make food by combining microbes with the carbon dioxide that the astronauts were breathing out. But the idea never materialized. NASA didn't do it. She said, we are leveraging those initial concepts that NASA had and picking them up off the shelf. We're working on them. We did it. Well, air protein's process is similar to yogurt or cheese fermentation. But instead of feeding sugar or milk to the microbe cultures, CO2, nitrogen, and oxygen are whisked through these large fermentation tanks where the culture produces proteins within hours. These proteins are harvested dried and made into a flour which can be used to produce a steak substitute by adding flavorings and nutrients. The inventor says her driving force, as we've said, is her desire to tackle climate change. She said, NASA scientists always think differently and if we're going to do something revolutionary and new about climate change, we have to think differently. Uh, Hmm. I can tell you a photograph of this did not look tasty. But apparently, uh, there's a substance there. It's solid, all right. It's a thing. Air meat. There you go. Have some for, well, whenever, if you dare. (laughs) It's really being done. It's really being done. Well, this is an adorable story. A lost dog was reunited with its owners after something very unusual happened. Now, the dog's name is Rosie, and um, she... (laughs) I don't know if I should give away the punchline first or not. She was out with her owner, Steve and Julie. And um, they were, actually, she has two owners, Steve and Julie. She's 10 years old. She was a rescue dog. And she was out walking with her daddy and another dog, another family dog, at the town park in the evening. The mother said, or the woman said, Rosie went and stood with her dad, which she does when she's nervous. And then when the fireworks went off, Rosie instantly bolted. She jammed and wiggled herself through a hedge, and she was gone. Well, the woman said her husband was really upset. But as he was bringing their other dog home, the woman got a call, telephone call, from the police department to say Rosie had been found. Astonished that the dog gave herself over to the police station. And luckily, the police station is right next to the park, so Rosie didn't wander far or long at all. There is CCT footage of the dog coming through the police department doorway. She gets up on a chair and sits down. (laughs) The police examined her. The policeman said she was wearing a collar, so it gave her a phone number to call. And everybody is so happy the dog is safe and well. The dog ran through this, this hedge ran into the police department door, had automatic doors. It's a a border collie, really a cute dog. 
got into the door, looked, looking afraid. She was quaking. She jumped up in the chair and sat down and just waited until somebody came over and took her collar and took her home. Aww. There you go. And that's something that's cute. These dogs are wonderful. Just wow, dogs. Got to love dogs. They're the best. Well, talking about Thanksgiving and food made from air and other related things. Um, you ever think about people that don't have a lot of food? We have food banks, thank goodness, we could use more. But spices are so expensive. And people who, you know, can't, many people can't afford spices. Among that, those people are those who are refugees into the United States. And before he became one of the hundreds of Afghan newcomers to resettle in St. Louis last year, a man named Hedda had been used to preparing his meals with all kinds of spices. From the Middle East, he used cumin, black pepper, chili powder, turmeric, paprika, cardamom, saffron, parsley, garlic powder, things like that. Well, this 30-year-old man said that these spices make him feel connected to his roots, and he likes to make his traditional Afghan food. He grew up with it. He likes to make stews and rice and kebabs and dumplings or maybe a vegetable-stuffed flatbread. But as we said, spices are expensive, and as you know, and well, his small food budget... He just has to cook without them. And he's not alone, as I've already said. Many people cannot afford spices. Now, again, food banks and food drives and other AIDS resources provide perishable, non-perishable foods like pasta, rice, and beans. What do you do with it? Spices, the ingredients that give flavor and familiarity to a meal, often are not provided. And so people are left with these staples and unflavored. Well, to address this problem, there's something called the International Institute of St. Louis, which is a local organization that works with immigrants and refugees. And they joined with a local grocery, a market, to host their second annual spice drive for those who can't afford spices. People are donating spices. Grocers are, mar- are matching any donations or any spices that are bought to add to this pool of spices to give away. And last year, they collected nearly 30 pounds of spice. And with the matching donations, there were 600 jars of spices that were given to people facing food insecurity through the St. Louis Area Food Bank and the International Institute of St. Louis. Now, I think that's very, very nice. People helping people. Now, here's something you just got to see to believe. And I thought about it before I decided to tell you about it because it would be nice if you had a picture. But once again, I attempt the impossible. And I'm going to tell you about this giant cosmic map that scientists have made that charts from here, planet Earth, to the edge of the observable universe. Well, astronomers at John Hopkins University have created this interactive map, you've got to get online to see it, of the universe. It charts the positions and colors of a couple of hundred thousand galaxies, which contain hundreds of trillions of planets that stretch from here to the very edge of the observable universe. Now, the Sloan Digital Sky Survey has been scanning the cosmos almost every night for over 20 years. The telescope images different portions of the sky over time to build up a comprehensive atlas at different scales, including 4 million stars in our own Milky Way, galaxies that are within our local group, and other billions of light years away, others. Now, this new map zooms out to an incredible scale. Two John Hopkins astronomers, 
assembled this data to create a dense visualization of one wedge of the universe. Dense is right. There are red and blue dots along this map. And if there was a you are here marker, us, we are here, uh-huh. Earth, it would be down at the very, very pointy end of a huge cosmic uh, pizza slice. And from there, the map radiates outward into space and time from the present in our local area right back to 13.7 billion light years away, which is 13.7 billion years ago. And this 10-degree thick wedge is just one segment of that enormous circle around us, which itself is just a small part of a gigantic sphere that would constitute the observable universe. So the map has 200,000 tiny dots, each representing an entire galaxy containing billions of stars, planets, quasars, and other objects. And the colors of these dots indicate the identity and characteristics of the galaxies. (coughs) And then, after a billion light years of almost total darkness, we reach the edge of the observable universe. This is what they call the cosmic microwave background. And while there is technically more universe past this border, most definitely, we can't see it because there hasn't been enough time for the light from that far away to reach us. Not enough time. Wow. Thirteen seven billion years is not enough time for the light from the outer edges of the universe to reach us. A professor at John Hopkins said, astrophysicists around the world have been analyzing this data for years leading to thousands of scientific papers and discoveries. But nobody took the time to create a map that is accessible to people who are not scientists. Our goal here is to show everybody what the universe really looks like. So you can check that out. Look up SkyMap from the Sloan Digital Sky Survey and John Hopkins University. It's wild. Of course, we know there isn't an end We can assume that for sure, for our purposes anyway. (laughs) 13.7 billion years. Just imagine. Human lifespan, maybe 70. Maybe if you're Asian, you get to be 120. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, wow. This is a fleeting eyelash, an instant, less than an instant in in time. We, We really need to learn to love life. Well, Every parking lot in France, every large parking lot in France, will soon be covered in solar panels. Check this out. How innovative. They have a mandate in France now to blanket the asphalt in photovoltaics that will provide as much energy as 10 nuclear power plants. 10. Wow. Now, cars might be vanishing from Paris. You know, they're trying to excuse me, make more walking room. But the ones that remain, cars that remain, will soon be parked beneath countless acres of gleaming photovoltaics. This month, the government mandated that every parking lot with more than 80 vehicle spaces must be covered with solar panels. Think of the energy crisis with the Ukraine situation. They are working on it. This move is part of President Emmanuel Macron's plan to increase solar power generation by a factor of 10 and double land-based wind energy. The impact could be enormous. The government expects the mandate to generate enough energy to power millions of homes, and again, it's the equivalent of running 10 nuclear reactors without any of the risks or dangers that that 
provides. Is that awesome? Well, that is wonderful news. It is. I mean, just think of what we can do. We put our minds to it. My gosh, we've got so many solutions to problems. We are are just completely swimming in solutions. They're there for the taking. Yep. Well, here's this story. You can't believe this. A Canadian has broken a Guinness Guinness World Record. And I bet you can't guess what it is. Of course you can't guess. That's why I'm here. He's planted more than 23,000 trees in 24 hours. What? That's right. 23,000 trees in 24 hours. Now, his name is Antoine Moses. Actually, he planted 26,060 trees in 24 hours. Now, he's 23 years old. Interesting. He's from Quebec, and yes, he now holds <coughs> excuse me, the world record. He said, I've always enjoyed pushing my limits. Now, the previous world record was 15,170 trees. That was set in 2001. And Moses was planting a tree, this time, every 3.5 seconds. He said casually, it goes around 16 trees a minute, he said. He's an amateur athlete. He's run multiple marathons and trains for an upcoming Ironman. He says he approaches the tree planting like a sport. And to date, Moses himself has planted over one million trees across Canada. Twenty-three years old, he's planted one million trees. Around 600 million trees are planted in Canada each year by approximately 6,500 tree planters. Uh, Wow. 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 Uh, Awesome. And uh, let's talk about fish a little bit, salmon. Maybe some of you are going to have salmon for Thanksgiving dinner. Somebody out there is going to eat salmon. I don't know very many. <laughs> but a restaurant owner in Kirkland, Washington, noticed a lack of fish in the stream outside of her business. And she wasn't planning on eating this fish. She's ecologically minded. And she stepped up to make the necessary changes so the fish could live in the stream. And it ended, out, it ended up that this had instant impact it's amazing. This, oh, you almost can't believe this. Her name's Holly. She's the chef and owner of an Italian restaurant. For 22 years, the restaurant has sat along a bend in Juanita Creek, which is part of the Cedar Lake watershed there in Kirkland. She said in all that time, she's only seen one fish swim through the stream. One. So she made up her mind she was going to fix it. She partnered. She went to the trouble of partnering with the King Conservation District and a nonprofit uh, organization called Adopt-A-Stream, to pull out invasive plants. Ben, they went to work. That's not easy. And then they worked to create a habitat where the fish could start to thrive. And they showed photographs of this, and it's amazing. You know, I have neighbors that had their trees cut down, you know, sliced off, and then they just let the stump sit in the yard. And you see that everywhere. Some people have the stumps taken out, but a lot of people just let their stumps sit there. I didn't know that they were so useful in streams. They took and gathered up these cut stumps, with the roots, the root balls, and they gathered them up by the dozens and lined the the stream bed along the bank of the stream bed with these wood stumps, heavy with all their roots, and that creates a salmon habitat and also protects the bank from erosion. Well, it's not particularly pretty to see all of that wood there, but that doesn't matter. They're not doing this to make it look Disney-like. It brought nature back to the stream, because, of course, in nature, trees fall over into the water, 
You know, there's places for fish to hide and to nest. Well, when they got all that done and they left, uh, the Adopt-A-Stream group left on a Thursday, by the way. The restaurant employees hurried out to see what was going on. They wanted to look. To their astonishment, there were 15 to 20 fish lined up investigating the roots in the water. The owner was in near disbelief. She said, I was like, this isn't real. Somebody stocked the stream for me. Well, that hadn't happened. Nobody put the fish in the water. Apparently, the fish had scoped the stream improvements along the way. And once the ground vibration stopped, they showed up to take ownership of their new salmon dwellings. So the fish are back already, and they will increase. The numbers will increase. This project cost them about $100,000, but the team was able to find grants to cover the costs. Now, if you've ever applied for a grant, you know what a lot of work that is. That takes a lot of effort. So we had a uh, Adopt-A-Stream group. We had a conservation group. All of these groups have people who are skilled in all of the areas it takes to, you know, rehabitat places like this. They have people who know how to apply for grants. That's a lot of talent, a lot of work, and, and not to mention the restaurant owner caring about this and pulling all of this together. And they got the money, and they fixed it. And in, salmon are having enough trouble with the drought and all of the other things going on, just the environment in general is, is under stress. And here are humans who have gotten together and done something and made a difference. And you see the photograph with the fish in the water. You can see them. And you just think, I feel joy for the fish. The intelligence that enables them to figure out what was going on and be ready to take it immediately. Uh, but just the response from nature when we do the right thing is so inspiring. I mean, these people that get out and make a difference all the time, all around us, we can all do that kind of thing. Well, let's talk for a minute about Thanksgiving and Native American Heritage Month because I feel like we really should give some recognition to that. I think everybody knows what that is, but I don't really see much coverage about it. Uh, People are generally kind of uncomfortable to talk about it. It's sort of a sensitive issue. It starts every November, and it's a month when the rest of America celebrates Thanksgiving. And while this whole thing has excellent intentions, this is more complicated for Native Americans. It's a difficult time for them because of painful historical events that occurred around this time. So in honor of Native American Heritage Month, we might consider celebrating Thanksgiving with some indigenous foods such as corn, beans. We use cranberries, of course, and so did the natives. So cranberries are included, squash, maple syrup, pumpkins, and wild rice. And there are many other uh, plants that that the Native Americans used from um, one coast to the other, north to south, taking advantage of the uh, flora and fauna in their areas. But it's very interesting to look up indigenous recipes, uh, see how they made things. This is an opportunity for those of us that aren't familiar with Native cultures to learn about indigenous meals um, and to develop some culinary skills while and, and, and skills while enjoying native food in honor of and in memory of and in respect for and in appreciation of the Native American culture and all these beautiful people bring to us. So we're going to do that here, and I suggest that we all remember that. And also, we like to donate to native causes. The Hopi School is a good place to start. There's all kinds of places where we can donate and help. You know, many of the reservations don't have any water still. 
I mean, there's so much we could do. Just out of sheer love and decency and appreciation. Okay, I said my two cents worth. Now, <laughs> finally, we have uh, a couple more stories real quick. Um, a woman in Alabama has done something that's so sweet. Um, now, whether it's about paying for groceries or picking up somebody's lunch tab, a woman named Lynn is all about surprising people with her generosity. She lives in Birmingham, and she's the assistant manager at a convenience store. Now, every month or every paycheck, she sets aside some money to do something nice for people through her project, which she calls Sewing on Purpose, not S-O-W-I-N-G. She said, there's so much going on, and this is just showing love and a blessing to somebody just because. So she's turned it into a game. She asked people on Facebook to pick a color or a number, and the person who responds with the correct answer gets a free meal or a tank of gas. Somebody said, I played it in one, and it was really cool. Random acts of kindness make the world go round, Lynn said. She believes in unconditional love, kindness, and compassion in giving to others. She said, this makes me feel free. When you think about it, I think she feels free because she's using her free will to sort of, I don't know, buck the system, um, materialism, selfishness, self-interest, all the kinds of what human foibles that plague our society. It's, it's uh, empowering and it is freedom to really kind of go against the grain and do what your heart tells you instead of what we've been trained to do to freely give to others and maybe sacrifice a little bit in that process. I find stories like this so inspiring. It makes me want to do better, to do more, to be better, to share more love. And it's my way of thanking all of the very good and beautiful people out there who do these kinds of things. They kind of keep the world in orbit, I believe, as do our star seed. Finally, I want to give credit to a young woman. You won't believe how old this person is. Her name is Leanne Fan. She's always been an inventor. She started in the first grade when she made contraptions out of toothpicks and marshmallows. Can you just see that in your mind? I can. Now at 14 years old, the San Diego resident has stepped up her game with the Finson headphones. And these aim to use blue light therapy to detect and treat middle ear infections without the use of antibiotics. She's 14 years old. She wow. developed the Finson headphones. Now, worldwide, there are 700 million cases of middle ear infections every single year. 700 million. And surprisingly, I couldn't believe this, nearly 21,000 deaths from ear infections. That's what it said. So this young woman started working on the Finson headphones three years ago. That was when she was, what, 11 years old? She, excuse me, I have the hiccups, I'm sorry. She entered him into the 2022 3M Young Scientist Challenge. And in October, she took home the top prize, earning the title of America's Top Young Scientist, and she won $25,000. She Uh hopes to inspire other young women who want to go into STEM or become inventors. She said, even a small idea, you can move along, you can make it go really far. I had an idea to use blue light to kill bacteria, and three years later, I'm here. Wow. See, that just fills us with love. I mean, this is just great stuff. Uh, 
a person can get so bitter, bitter sometimes about human beings, about situations, about society, about everything. But that's just what's in front of your face. What's going on quietly behind the scenes, just like angels working along, you know, spirit guides. Much of the good and the best and the beautiful is hidden. And it's my honor to bring that forward so you all get to see a little bit of it. And I'm going to leave you with a quote. Surprisingly, well, I don't know if it's surprising. It's from Oprah Winfrey. I don't usually quote celebrities, but here it is. She said, be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. So, from my heart to each one of you, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for you all. Thankful for life. I love you. Have a beautiful couple of weeks. Have a great Thanksgiving day. Nobody out there be lonesome. If you're feeling lonesome, call somebody. Do something. Go out and find something to do for somebody. You are loved. I promise you that. Whether you know it or not, you are a special person. The world needs you. We need you. Remember that. Thanks so much, Arielle. (laughs) Nice to be with you tonight. Thank you so much, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Regardless of what you cook, yeah, and be thankful. (laughs) Yes, and we are very thankful for you and your contribution to this show. Oh, thanks. Okay. Well, we'll see you in two weeks. You will. Good night. Okay. Okay. Good night. Okay, so next up is the interview with Lavendar on um, not only the Teton meetings, but some other uh, important information. Well, tonight we are going to be talking to Lavendar in a very rare interview on some topics that you may have heard about before but we have updates and some things you may not have heard of before, but there's a lot of valuable information. So we want to thank you, Lavendar, for bringing this to us this evening. Well, thank you for um, uh, being there for me all these years, Ariel, and for uh, bringing us into the new year of 2016. So I just want to say that um, I'm very excited about this year for Starseeds, and I have a lot of new information for a lot of people that have been activated into their starseed codes. So at this time, though, I think I'd like to just kind of talk about the Teton meetings. And they're going on right now, and a a lot of you uh, have been listening to us for several years know that on January 1 through 7, we have uh, meetings inside the Grand Teton in Wyoming. And this is a a, a karmic board-type meeting that happens And those in attendance uh, come from the Great White Brotherhood, uh, Guardians of the Devic Kingdoms, uh, Starship Commanders of Intergalactic Federations, Ascended Masters of the Seven Sacred Cities, uh, the Crystal Brotherhood of the Antares Arcturus Midway Station, and six members of the Crystal Roundtable of the Starship Bethlehem, Ascended Masters of all seven rays of initiation, and council members from Northern Shambhala. These are the uh, beings that come together and have been coming together for these meetings for hundreds of years. And it has to do with the alignment of freedom of the soul and freedom of our country. Our country was founded 
by we call Ben and the boys. I, I, I say, say it lovingly that Ben and the boys were directed by higher beings to put together our our um, constitution, our uh, Declaration of Independence, all the things that have been written for our for America have been in alignment with a lot of starseed activation from these karmic board meetings. So, Ariel, um, if you would like, uh, I could go ahead and talk a, a little further about these Absolutely. meetings. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a lot of, uh, of crystal activation that's been happening. Of course, we've been doing our, our starseed crystal quest to uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas now for several years. And, and uh, we also are, are mindful of what happens inside the Earth called the Earth's crystal grid system. And uh, new balancing procedures uh, were explained and new recruits were asked to be available for new instruction concerning the grid system in the Teton meetings in these last few years and in this year that's happening now. And those from other incarnations that had previously worked on the grid during other major upheavals are asked to once again assist from their soul records of balance. Now, can you visualize this, Ariel? <laughs> it's like all these people that have incarnated on the planet that have done this grid work before, now their, their DNA is activated to where they start remembering that they're in alignment to the crystal grid. It's like a domino effect that starts happening with the astrological timings and the bloodline activations. Is there anything you'd like to, to add to this? Well, the, all the councils and members that participate in the Tetons, as they bring, and I know you've mentioned this on the show before, but in case someone hadn't heard that, as they bring starseeds to the meetings, they're, they're taken while they're sleeping, their energy, and you kind of described that much better than, than I think I am right now, but uh, basically you go for uh, 45 minutes. Every 45 minutes there's another 144,000 starseed souls, and is this crystal grid activation that you're talking about something that is um, amplified when they, they've had this activation? January, first week of January comes around, and maybe they go to the Teton meetings without even realizing it and get further instructions, further activations to come and return to this crystal grid work. Does it work like that? Yes, it does. And, and think of, you know, think of being out in space looking at the planet Earth, okay? Just visualize, you know, you're out there and you're looking and it, and it and it's nighttime. And little lights go on at at, at these 33 gym powerpoints at the places where these 144,000 beings that come every 45 minutes are located, their little lights, there's a system that uh, uh, higher beings have that can monitor the light field of star seeds on the planet. But they match the, the crystal grid. It's like a lot of star seeds are drawn to live on crystal grids and to gem PowerPoints. They don't know why they're drawn there. They don't know why they wake up one day and go, okay, we're moving to Colorado or wherever. It's like there's something that's placed in an automatic 
system. It's like, you know how the bees are, they, you know, the bee colonies? Well, there's kind of a starseed colony. It's like we all start humming to a, a vibration and to a signal, and we start resonating, and we start ending up at these different places on the planet. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, I never thought I'd live here. Well, I, here I am. You know, right. it's like, it's like and, and, and because of this, we've made soul agreements with other beings to meet at these places. So, yes. So, okay, let me go back to what I was saying about the, um, some of the things that are happening inside the, the um, uh, Teton meetings at this time. Um, always we have the uh, sacred flame instructions that are given. Earthquake duty is always assigned. And, and people, like I was saying, they relocate, maybe because their um, assignment to that place is over. And there's always the um, assignments of the transmutation for the downfall and rise of world governments. Of course, we're seeing a lot of that happening in the world right now. So out of body, a lot of beings are asked to go and, and hold the point for certain things that were, are to happen with world leaders. Also... Um, it looks like to me that we're coming into some some very critical times of uh, planetary activation concerning weather, and because of climate changes and the different things that are happening with our with our planet, and so water is going to, water is going to be a main topic for quite some time. Uh, the the water frequency on the planet. Um, has been kind of messed with <laughs> because of our technologies. So there's balancing procedures all the time that are having to readjust things that are happening with water. And, and one of the things that I've discovered um, about water is that salt and water uh, together is called a reset for the physical body. In other words, you know, when you go swim in the ocean and you come out and you feel so good after a good swim in the ocean, or if you're in a salt bath, how good you feel when you have a salt bath, it's because you're resetting your cells. You're throwing your cells into the up spiral. And just this simple knowledge of going, oh, salt and water, how simple is that? But th- that's basically what we're, our cells are made of. The, the basic building blocks mm-hmm. is salt and water. So just think about instead of saying, "Well, I want a healing," say, "I want to reset." <laughs> it's like reset myself uh, into a, a perfect alignment so that my immune system will kick in. So, uh, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Um, not necessarily add, but expand on. Um, as I said, in case people hadn't heard earlier versions uh, of our episodes on the show, I just wanted to go into a little bit more detail, and I can just reiterate what we've already said on the show so people don't have to go back and search for where did they say that. Um, when people, when starseed souls are participating in the Teton meetings, number one, you have said before that not everyone goes every six months. Some people may go once or twice in a lifetime. Some people, depending on your assignment and how many other people you are affecting, they may go a little bit more often, but you're transported there while you're sleeping. So this happens without any kind of conscious awareness for most people. Some people, like you, are consciously aware of having been there, and you've been there in the physical. But most people, um, would you explain how they manage to get you from your bed to the meeting and back? 
Okay. Uh, okay. First of all, there's a an energy that will come and and keep your physical body functioning, but you will your they will take your essence out, your imprint essence out, put it in a little container, and take it, uh, put it inside the mountain. There is a emerald crystal computer. That's the only way I can describe what this is. It's it's beyond description, really. And place the the souls, and they kind of pop out, and they're in holographic form, so that everybody sees everybody else. This is this is the procedure. Uh, Whatever is being given in that 45 minutes, uh, there's different there's different topics and different uh, uh, subject matters that are aligned to the people that are wanting to uh, be part of this alignment. And basically, this is something that's actually discussed before the uh, being is born into the body. If they if they will be available for these meetings, or do they want to participate? So there's always there's always the consent uh, about going to these meetings, uh, and then coming back, uh, they'll bring uh, the being back in a really fast um, nanosecond <laughs> type of technology that um, that they use. But when you wake up, you will if you've been, you'll notice two red dots, mostly on your thumbs, and this will let you know that you've been. And, and those dots come just before they bring you back, they give you shots. And these shots would keep you from remembering what just took place. And the reason for that was if you could remember, then you couldn't function. You wouldn't be able to, to do your everyday uh, work. So that's that's basically the procedure, Ariel. Okay. And certainly... I mean, I know that um, a lot of people say, oh, I want to go, I want to remember. But truly, people who say that, because they haven't experienced what you've experienced. And because when you do remember, yeah, you can't function. You can't get to the grocery store. You just can't do anything um, after you've seen that other reality. But um, also, you mentioned before on on another show that 45, our 45 minutes, is two weeks for them. That's right. So even though you you might physically only be gone from your body for 45 minutes, you've had two weeks worth of training. That's right. Yeah. At a very, I mean, just they download it right into your brain. So you can wake up and not remember a thing, but those files are still in your hard drive, and they can be accessed and activated That's right. by um, certain triggers that have also been programmed. So that, you know, when you see this, you know, this, this blue flower, it's going to remind you of this, and this is going to turn on. Right. Yeah. Our, our symbols, you know, people are, are saying, yeah, I'm seeing 1111 on the clock a lot. Well, that's another, that's another activation for star seeds. It's a wake-up. It's saying you're on time with your life. If, if your head jerks to see me go 1111, it's because, you know, it's like you're on time with your life. You know, for a long time, it's, I kept, kept saying, there's got to be a, a really strong meaning for this 1111 that's happening. And then one day, it just came to me. It's very simple. You're awake. You're conscious. You're on it. You're, you're uh, ready to take your next step. It's, a, it's about evolutionary moves. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and symbols as well, like um, owls. Are, and I think, it's, I think it's really interesting that, you know, green is the, is the hip color, 
and and now owls. You go into the stores and they're and they've got look at the shelves. They've got turquoise and purple, or the big colors. I mean places where you never see those colors. The this clothing, it's just wow, this is the color this year. But being green, you know, and, and environmentally friendly, that's really hip and trendy now. But the color green and, and purple and turquoise and, and the owls, these are all triggers, symbols. And when people see these, it starts to cause a chain reaction of awakening. Yeah. And it and it may take a long time to unfold. But when you are seeing them and you're remembering and you're activating and recognizing, just know that they're on their way. Yeah, like today, um, I, I flipped on the view and there was, and there was Whoopi and she had an owl on the front of her sweater. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Whoopi's one of us anyway, so that's not that's not surprising. But yeah. I just I, I'm just watching. This is kind of a little off the subject, but watching patterns of that seep into our everyday 3D retail. They're they're getting in. So yeah. that that's that's I just think that's wonderful. Yep. 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 So um on a more I'm a more general topic uh subject about the the Teton meetings in in summary they have a lot of vested interest in this planet and our success and our uh prosperity and our development and do they they have lines that we're not allowed to cross right you're not allowed to push the nuclear bomb button that's right that's you know right. we're not allowed to do certain things even though we think we are when it comes right down to putting your finger on the button there's going to be an ET um overseer or mm-hmm. inspector or somebody that's going to step in that's so right so <clears throat> it's kind of comforting i think and, and most starseeds would agree that there are older, wiser, more evolved, more advanced beings that are watching over and making sure that we don't, you know, destroy the house before mom and dad get home. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true. 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 So, um, are, are you have anything else you want to say more about the Teton meetings? I mean, I know that January and July they happen twice a year. Right. No, I think I, I think that's about all I, I really want to say yeah. at this time. Uh, there's other subject matters that I'd like to discuss. Okay. Uh, I think I want to talk a little bit about uh, how I've been tracking these memory traces concerning mass consciousness on the planet. Um, it's like history seems to be repeating itself in, in so many different uh, areas, like the Holy Wars, the Crusades. We have things that are happening now in in people's consciousness that they're they're running on their ancestors bloodline consciousness and and not on their reasoning this is the way i've been kind of following the politics that are happening now and um seeing how that people will react to fear first and and to old programming from their ancestors second and then third the it's like they seem to be frozen in a time pattern, not being able to go to, to go any further. Do you know what I'm saying about watching this mm-hmm. with the holy wars? It's like um, the Crusades was all about the Christians and the Muslim faith. And so now we are drawn into a situation uh, where that's coming up again. So it's like 
how do you erase it or transmute it or take it to its next level without um, looping it again? How do you stop the loop? This is one of the things that I've been looking at because all of this is being activated with a civil war. It's like, you know, um, I lived in the South for a while, and I know, you know, how uh, uh, people are in Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama about the Civil War. And it's like some of that's coming back again, and it's through the bloodlines. Have, have you noticed this? Well, there's, yes, yes. And about other subjects as well besides just, just wars, which is what we're talking about now, and, and um, and like Atlantis and things like that, but there are I mean there's so many uh, loops that people get into, and it and then they may not have anything to do with it, but it's been inherited, and it's my understanding that these genetic memories they get passed down through the bloodline, and something can trigger that memory, and and you think it's yours or you think it's part of you, is this is this where you're going with that? Yeah, yeah, and and. It, and it's not you at all. It's your ancestors, you know, rising up. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's also activated by planetary activation. In other words, say, you know, there's a, a huge activation and everybody's um, on, on the whole world on a certain time, like, say, December 7th when, you know, we had Pearl Harbor uh, or, some, or something like 9-11. It's like... All of that gets imprinted by an astrological timer. So when that astrological timer comes back again, it will activate the bloodlines because it's in resonance to that memory. So that makes sense. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like not only is it our ancestors rising up, but the activation of where the planets were when it happened is coming back again. To repeat itself, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. you know, and well, we get another chance to do it right. Yeah, actually, that's mm-hmm. it, it. Takes it to another level to where you're going. Okay, here's your choices. Which way are you going to go with it? Are you going to go in the up spiral? Are you going to go in the down spiral? Are you going to keep looping this? It's always a place of choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how does um, the fact that the the current north and south node positions over much of December I, I'm, I think it might have even started in November it's it's concluded now I think but um, having the north and south nodes at galactic degree in Pisces and Virgo how is that how would that translate for this activation of memory traces concerning the masses and holy wars that's exactly right it's like because that's the place that I have been tracking the Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Christianity, all the things that, that have happened through the bloodlines, those seem to be the astrological markings that take me into those records. So the north and south node, the north node is called destiny, and the south node is where you come from. So the de- destiny of the mass consciousness is to remember or to be activated into the, the crusade period of time, uh, or maybe the Civil War, or maybe even Atlantis. Maybe all three is happening at once. Oh, boy. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you know, throw the dice on this one. Um, 
Let's see, where was I going with that? I forgot where I was well, going. Well, with, with, with the north node. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the south mm -hmm. node is where you come from, see? So where you come from is, is, is saying, okay, here's my bloodline. The DNA is now activated, and I'm ready to make choices, except we don't know that those are the things that we should be saying. Oh, yeah, we have choices. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. uh, taking your power, knowing that you're, you're in the driver's seat and not your ancestors uh, or, or not your family or not the filters that, that, you know, shape your consciousness. It's where you take your power and know who you are and say, look, this is, this is how I want to, to, to run this, you know, railroad. <laughs> mm -hmm. And how many star seeds have chosen to incarnate into bloodlines that needed to be cleaned up like that? Millions, millions and millions all over the planet. And after 2012 is when I really started seeing, you know, the Mayan calendar um, hoopla that happened uh, really wasn't so much about the Mayan calendar for me as it was seeing a timer. It's like when when the sun uh, became 26 degrees of Sagittarius on this uh, starseed code that was opened up. It's like when it hit the planet, it hit the bloodlines, and and the and the DNA snapped, crackling, popped, <laughs> and it was it was like a galactic breakfast. I'm telling you, the next morning people were waking up, going, "Whoa, what was that?" and and people were saying things like, "Well." I want a divorce. Oh, I'm going to quit my job. I'm moving. Uh, I'm going to have a family now. Uh, I'm retiring. You know, it's like people just started jumping into another kind of consciousness within a few weeks of, of that activation. And when I have sessions with people, I always like to ask them, you know, what happened to you after 2012? Especially if I see in their charts that something was set up in their astrological timer. Because that seems to be something that's repeating itself in all my sessions is what people are saying. They're saying things like, oh, yeah, the first three months of 2013, I just, you know, people say, like, I thought I was going to jump out of my skin. I thought I was going schizophrenic. I thought I was losing my mind. Um, uh, dramatic, dramatic things were happening. Uh, just, I mean, it, it's like a reset started happening. And I'm using the word reset because I'm finding that that's exactly what we do when we um, when we heal ourselves or when we uh, go to an acupuncturist or, or go have a session with a healer or whatever. It's about resetting your cells to your immune system, to your higher state of consciousness, so that you can start making the wisest decisions that you can make because you're being put in a position now to hold the light, to hold the beam of consciousness, because the things that are going to happen in our future has to do with the galactic beings that are coming to the planet and to those that are already here. And for those that are coming, you know, when they told me to hold this information for over 25 years, it was mostly the information I held was for people that were born after 1980. And in 1980, on February 16th, there was an eclipse at 26 Aquarius, which opened up a whole new field of information concerning technology. So it was a big reset button. It was a reset of, of uh, bloodlines, of astrological timing, 
of groups coming together, whether they were from Atlantis or from the Holy Wars or from from different uh, groups of consciousness that had decided to come back as soulmates uh, to, be, to be together on the planet or all the above. Mm. So I pass it to you now. Yeah. Well, as you were talking, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tracking what you're saying. And as this massive expansion, all kinds of galactic assistance and timings and things like this, we have to be in the present. And, and if you're still in this loop and you're trying to reenact the, the wars of your ancestors, well, then the parade's just going to pass you by because you were t- trying to come to terms with something that is ancient. You know, it seems to me like it's like, okay, fine, got it, good, move on. And well, don't, yeah, you got you got to get out of that loop because there's so much expansion coming, and if you're not, um, if you're limiting yourself by being entangled in whether it's the past, past lives, um, um, memory traces in DNA, acknowledging it is fine, but don't get hung up there. You've got to keep moving forward. Well, and, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, I can remember many, many, many years ago when, when I was so curious, you know, I, when, when, when my fiancé died uh, on my wedding day, I, you know, went into a, a, a really bad spin for a period of time. And then when I decided to come out of that spin, my first question was, well, where is he? I want to know what happened to him. Is there life after death? So I started on a a mission to find those things out. And then after that, I went into reincarnation to find out about past lives. I did that and moved on. It's like you go through different steps in your spiritual awakening. But there comes a time when curiosity doesn't serve you. It just doesn't serve you anymore. It's like, oh, who was I? And you know, and and if you go back and start reliving all that, how does that really help you today? It really doesn't. In fact, it can stop you from having a fulfilling life in the present because you are stuck in the past with maybe the judgments of the past. You know, it's like, wow, nothing can can stop a, a growth in consciousness like judgment. So it's, it's like, okay, now you're going to tap into your ancestors' judgment, and now your judgment, and you're going to double lock and double down on judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to, I on this activation of memory traces, you mentioned February 16th, 1980, when the sun was at galactic degree in Aquarius. I mean, the moon was the eclipse. It was an eclipse, yeah. The moon eclipse at, at, at um, galactic degree in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And that obviously activated or opened the door for Atlantean technology to start returning to the planet. Yeah. And there was a lot of technology in Atlantis that was extremely uh, advanced and, and desirable, uh, but not all the technology in Atlantis... Uh, turned out the way they wanted it to you know what I'm saying um, there's some technology that we ought not to uh, resume genetic uh, modifications for example right so that's a place where I'm as I'm listening to what you're saying where this memory trace and the and the 
just because you can invent it, does that mean you should? You know, just because you can clone this or genetically engineer this, um, doesn't mean you should. So that's where the loop has to stop, because we're heading in the same direction of imbalance between science and spirit. That's right. That's r that's exactly right. And but but we have enough starseed now on the planet that are awake enough to to balance out any kind of misuse of power that starts to happen. That's that's kind of what we're experiencing now all over the world. There's going to be kind of a fervor, of, you know, like I was in different places because people are waking up and wanting their freedom and, and, and there's a whole lot of chaos that has to happen before it settles down is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. once it settles down and comes back up, we're going to start seeing more um, advancement with with the people on the planet uh, in other countries and uh, being able to give people uh, proper food and water, you know, just the basics you know, when you look at a lot of these third world countries, there's people that have to walk several miles a day just to get a bucket of water. Can you imagine having to do that? It's like we had our electricity went out here for a couple of days here, and it's like, <laughs> what a wake-up call. What a wake-up mm -hmm. call that we get so used to our electricity and to having our comforts of life. But what if we had to walk a mile to get a bucket of water? You know, mm -hmm. it's like... We should be very, very thankful for uh, the way that we're given opportunities to use technology properly in this country. But the minute we start stepping across that line, uh, there's going to be beings that will, you know, pull us back. I really, uh, I've seen it. I've seen it in action already, and 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 it's going to be really interesting to watch this uh, Republican Democratic um, election uh, because. We're having the mass consciousness remembering holy wars all over again, and we're going to start seeing the choices that people are going to make because of their activations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the difference between now and Atlantis is that the ETs also made a resolution never again. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's when I was saying about there's no no one that can push that nuclear bomb button without having an ET climbing all over him to stop him. Um, so that in at least is different now than it was before, and and I really feel um, uh, the comfort in the fact that that they won't let us go too far again. That's right, and they and there's and there's monitoring stations. Uh, there's places that they have placed. You know, when we watch these CSI movies and things on TV, and it shows people put bugs in the in the motel rooms and listen to people and stuff like that. Well, guess what? There are devices on the planet where they're monitoring all the time where all the nuclear bombs are. They're monitoring all the time how the crystal grid is vibrating. They're monitoring all the time everything from from tooth to alcohol. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like the way their technology is um, vibrating upstairs is with um, keeping track of every kind of consciousness on the planet. 
And don't a lot of them do, uh, let's say, ground reconnaissance? In, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In disguise? I mean, I was, I was standing in line at a store over the holidays, and I watched a man come who looked like he hadn't been out of the woods in his whole life. I mean, like he just came straight down off out of the mountain to go Christmas shopping or something. And and I looked at him and I looked at other people looking at him and and I could just see you know their their reactions were um condescending and um judgmental. And I thought to myself, how do you know that this isn't a Pleiadian in disguise right off the ship just watching to see where you are with your judgment? And walk around the planet and just see where people are. You know, that, that person that you snarl at because they took your parking space, that could be a test at any time. So, so when I got a hold of that one, it, it really comes down to walking your talk. You can talk about love and light, but if you're sitting at home bickering with people, it's just talk. Yeah. You know, it's funny you should mention that because I think it was the day before yesterday that I was thinking of the exact same thing. I thought... Wouldn't it be something to write a screenplay in a story and you have a homeless person with a beard that looks really shabby, but he's really in control of what happens on the earth? (laughs) It's like, it's like, he's pulling the strings of the Illuminati, he's pulling the strings of everything. It's like, oh my goodness, wouldn't that be an interesting screenplay to write? Yeah. So when yeah. you mentioned that, it, it, it made me think of it. Well, yeah, but that is, I mean, it's so true um, because the bottom line, like I said, you can you can talk about being a star seed and and you know being here for love and light, but in the next breath, you're you're finding fault with somebody or or bickering or buying into some drama that I mean that's your reality. And you can talk about love and light, and unless you're living it, then it's just talk. Yeah, and, and that's true. So, yeah, and I'm, I, mean, I was just actually talking about this this morning with somebody. Um, if you haven't, you have to get peace and balance in your own life. Because if you don't have that, nothing else you do is going to really work out very well. That's true. That's true. You know, um, peace and balance. That was my New Year's, <laughs> my New Year's thoughts. Um, yeah, if you can do that first and and treat your human your fellow humans with kindness and uh and forgiveness, then then you're ready for your next course. But if you haven't got that down yet, they're not going to ask you to do anything else. That's right. And pay yeah. it forward. Always always take your energy forward. It's like I always love getting on these these uh, turnpikes and and when I uh pull up, I I look behind me to see who's behind me and I and I and I pay for that person. And I and I say pass it on, pass it on, and so then when I come back, sometimes it's still going. People people get it, and it's it's a it's a act of kindness, but you'd be surprised how how one act of kindness can activate because I've seen it happen several times on these turnpikes when I travel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, pay it forward is just a brilliant concept. Yeah. So. If a starseed has found their inner peace and they are living in balance and with with um, grace towards others and patience with others who are not quite as advanced as they are, so they've got all that happening, and and then 
they, they're ready to take their power. And then what comes next? Maybe we should define what taking your power is. Yes, uh, taking your power is about first acknowledging that you have power. A lot of people don't acknowledge that they have any power at all. Or the word power scares them. Or it, it's a word that triggers... Um, Religious programming? Well, it, it, it triggers fear, actually. Uh, it, will, it, it will trigger things that are subconscious. Uh, so getting to know your own power mode, to know where you are in, in your own, uh, uh, how you're walking, talking, and wearing your power, how you present yourself to others, how you are receiving. Giving and receiving in balance is so important. I find so many counselors and people working in metaphysical uh, counseling that um, simply don't know how to receive they give, 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 and then, and then when they break down, they're, they're, they're calling me saying, okay, how, why did I break down? I say, it's because you, you weren't able to receive. You're giving too much. And it's like uh, once that get, gets out of balance, you can go downhill really quick. So that's one of the things that I've noticed is, is acknowledging the giving and receiving of equal measure. The other part is being able to... Um, keep your energies in an up spiral regardless of what's happening in your family or happening with loved ones around you. Um, taking your power means being responsible for your decisions, uh, being responsible for how you uh, interact with another person. Are you going to bring them flowers? Or are you bringing them thorns or vice versa? It's all about intent, alignment, and commitment to your own power. Then after you take your power, then know that you're protected. You don't have to bow your head and ask to be protected, go into a down spiral prayer. I think looking down at the ground, uh, it, it, it was an energetic that was was placed so we could never take our power once once i looked at that i went wow look at that i know it's, it's supposed to make you look humble and receiving but you can't receive if you're looking down you have to look up to receive mm -hmm. <laughs> always thought that was kind of a anyway yeah yeah you know one thing um that i had come up with a, a long time ago because I, I used to have that exact same thing myself where I could give all day long, but if someone tried to give something to me, I was like, oh, no, that's okay. No, you don't have to do that. Oh, and, you know, and, you, just, and you don't want to receive the gift because you, um, for whatever reason, you just say, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. And then I started thinking about, you know, when I give something to somebody, how much good feeling do I get watching how happy that made them. Right. So when you tell someone, no, 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 I, yeah. you know, I yeah. don't want that, you're denying them that joy that you take so well for yourself. That's exactly right. So, yeah. so that, yeah, when I got a hold of that one, anytime, you know, yeah. someone wants to gift me something yeah. or what, you, you know, even though it's like it's not necessary, but thank you, I will take it. Yeah. You know, because it, it's it's it gives joy to the other person for you to receive. So that that really 
um, transmuted that, oh, no, 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 thank you, uh, out of my vocabulary. But um, any time that, and I'm going to get give it kind of like an analogy maybe, for taking your power, all of your power, because all of us have given power to many things. You know, you, we give power to people and things and and all kinds of situations, and you make decisions based on, um, oh, I better not do that because that person is going to fly off the handle, or this, I better do it like this because I don't want to rock the boat. Those are things that is giving up your power, right? Because you have someone, you have given it to someone else. Mm-hmm. So that, and even if that person is less evolved. You can give them your power and kind of um, tippy toe, you know, around them because oh, um, you know, don't want them to get mad at me. Well, listen, you know, if they're going to get mad, they'll get mad about something else. You have to hold on to your power and don't give it to other situations or people when you're making decisions and choices. And you told you taught me this a long time, Lavender, and it's been one of the best. <laughs> best things ever um, you said don't say yes when you want to say no and don't say no when you want to say yes because both ways it's going to come back and bite you in the that, ass that's right. <laughs> and that is I mean right then because I used to say I used to say yes all the time oh sure yeah I'll do you know I'll, I'll meet you I was like I don't want to go but I would go because I thought it would make someone happy or this so now it's like don't ever say yes when you want to say no right. or vice versa. That's right. And that's just been some of the best, you know, 3D down-to-earth advice. And if it's, <laughs> if it's for everybody, starseeds or not. In the last several years, you've been kind of coming up with something that you're calling starseed etiquette. Now, that's intriguing. What do you mean by that? When you are activated into your starseed codes... When you are aware of your presence of power, that you have responsibility to to come from your records to go forward in an evolutionary manner and to start meeting and vibrating with other soul groups that you've made agreements with, then there's a certain protocol that one needs to adhere to in order to keep the alignment and to make sure that misuse of power or uh, any kind of violations won't stop the movement. And that's what I'll be talking about that further in, in part two. One of the things that I find is that sometimes a person will go, oh, my friend's doing that. I want to go do it too. And if your name's not on it, then don't do it because your friend's doing it. Find out what's in alignment with your with your talents, your abilities, uh, what gives you pleasure, what gives you peace of mind, and, and if something comes along and it doesn't have your name on it, then just say, "Well, let this cup pass my lips." To me, it's that simple. Uh, because after a period of time, you'll look like a patch quilt. I mean, you'll just you know. You'll be yeah. walking around with everybody else's stuff, and, and you and, and none of it's yours. Right. Well, I wouldn't let my hairdresser work on my teeth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know. So yeah, a lot of a lot of people um, 
are trying to do something because they know they they have to do something, and they might jump on the first bandwagon that comes by, so at least they feel like they're doing something. But it could be um, an exercise in futility because if your name's not on it, there's just only so far you can go. Right. Um, because you haven't got the credentials. Yep. You know, your credentials may be in something else, and and that's where you have chosen with your chart, with your frequencies, uh, with the bloodline that you choose. It's for a specific reason. And if and if that, when you find that reason with your name on it, then it'll come easily. Right. And you'll have that passion, and you can't wait to go start doing that. Um, you know, can I wake up now and go start doing that? It's, uh, I meant like wake up in the morning and go start doing that. So, yes, make sure your name is on it before you put your whole heart and soul into something just so that you do have that successful outcome. Right. Well, these are some wonderful thoughts to ponder and some great information, especially knowing that the advanced beings who are meeting right now as we speak in the Grand Tetons are helping us along our way, even if we're unaware of it and don't remember being there. So, Lavendar, I want to thank you so much for this interview, and I know you have another topic that we're going to do a part two with, and um, that's going to be a huge help for every starseed, everybody, because it's going to be about the filters that we use to make decisions, and some of them um, don't serve us very well. So I'm looking forward to part two with this. Well, thank you very much, and um, have a happy new year to everyone listening. Well, thank you, Lavendar, so much. It is always a pleasure to hear what you're tracking and what you're up to in between doing your sessions and readings. So from all of us here at Starseed Hotline, happy, happy new year and make this the best ever. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.